hola, bienvenidos a Making It Over. Estamos desde Santiago, República Dominicana. And then that was night one. And then it was pretty much like that or, or some resemblance to that every night. Like, There's no translation for it. I said, what does it mean? It's got to mean something. That's Josh Davis. He had just returned from a volunteer trip to the Dominican Republic where he had a great opportunity to experience the culture. And along with Antonio Ramirez, our host while volunteering there... Gaulas by far. It's the highest, the most sold rum in the Dominican Republic. We talk all things Dominican rum, beer, and... If you drank Regal, you either had sex or fought. So stay tuned. Amigos, welcome to Make It a Double. I'm Mike Stojic, and this is the podcast that talks booze, spirits, history, mixology, and the people and stories that make it great. Today, we travel to the Dominican Republic and learn a little about Dominican rum, beer, and something called mamawana, along with some history and a little culture. I had a great opportunity through Rotary International to work as a volunteer in the Dominican Republic. Not only did our group do some incredible work, but we got to experience culture and true Dominican spirit. I met some amazing people along the way. Antonio Ramirez is a Dominican and member of the Dominican Rotary Club. He joins us to explain Dominican culture, the rum, which is some of the best in the world, a beer called Presidente, and Mamawana, not marijuana, but Mamawana, two very different things. We also hear from Josh Davis, a friend of mine and fellow Rotarian who worked with me in the Dominican. He comes on to talk his experiences taking in the Dominican drinking culture and volunteering abroad. So make yourself a Santo Libre, relax on a beautiful beach, and enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Josh Davis. I own um, Rising Tide Building and Renovations here in Clayton, North Carolina. We're a residential construction company uh, focusing primarily on uh, property maintenance, more so on a larger scale, and also customized uh, remodels, additions, upfits, that kind of thing. Josh, you're a Rotarian just as I am. How long have you been in the club? Uh, I've been involved about five or six months. Um, a girl I went to high school with stayed on me for a while about getting involved. I saw her... Um, activity in it. It uh, really intrigued me. Started joining, man, and kind of dived right into it. Been impressed with the work they do, not only in the local community, which I try to be really involved in, but also on a national and international level. One, it's not political. It's not religious. It's just people of all walks of life pretty much coming together. It's kind of what I described at one time. It's a, it's a group of people coming together with a, a common goal. They were just really just trying to make a difference, and it's, it's been great. I mean, I'm not extremely well-traveled, but I'm well-traveled. I've been through Latin America and the Caribbean right much, so I wasn't, wasn't necessarily shocked by the poverty I saw because I've been pretty off the beaten path in some of those places. First time, I did more than just drive through. So, I mean, it's the first time I've been inside of, you know, for a lack of better words, a house. And I don't even think they would classify what we saw as a house right. here. And uh, taking a step back, man, I think that's really one of the things that sold me on going on this 
as I talked earlier about, you know, kind of being hesitant as though, well, we have a lot of stuff we can do here at home. There's very few places in America where we don't have running water or electricity. You know, if we have a town here that has a storm hit and they're out of power three or four days. It makes national news where these guys, in fact, we were working in one village or one house in particular day and the whole town was without power just for that day. And it was, um, it was no big deal. Nobody um, batted an eye about it. I mean, didn't, it didn't seem to change life at all for them because I guess they're so accustomed to it. But even when we say they had electricity in the home, I believe a few homes we were in had maybe one light bulb. Um, it did. A one outlet. First one only had one, one light bulb, one, one outlet, <laughs> and a refrigerator. And I don't even know, like, I wouldn't even venture a guess if that refrigerator actually worked or not, if it was more just like uh, storage. So Probably. I don't know. So when they said electricity, we're not talking about – you know, water heaters and your washer and dryer and all that. We're talking about maybe one light to have at night um, and maybe one outlet to plug up, plug right. something in the radio or something. What sort of expectations, if any, did you have going into this? Um, it was actually kind of unexpected, I think, for both of us. I didn't really know what to expect mm-hmm. going into it. One, overall, I didn't have any expectations. Um, but two, I didn't really expect to be doing the construction um, work that we ended up doing. So we went into a couple of homes, and this, um, I guess community is what you would call it. I don't really know. I mean, it's not an organized town or anything. And where they're truly living in poverty, the house, the first house we started in had um, walls and a a roof on it. You could probably see as much sunlight through the roof as you could, you know, not see. (laughs) And a concrete floor. And then they let us know that it had only been that week that the concrete floor had been poured. Before then, the lady had just, it had been a dirt floor, and that's where she had been living uh, absolutely no furniture. There was a few items of furniture outside. I think they moved for us to come in and work. Um, a mattress, just a mattress. And I, I would venture to guess 30 or 40-year-old mattress maybe. I mean, just nasty looking. And maybe a couple of hard wooden chairs. And that was it. So we came in. And uh, I think the first day we put in a, a wall kind of in between. And I would see the house. Man, I would guess that it may be maybe 30 or 40 foot by 20 foot roughly and just open, you know, four walls and a roof. So we put a divider wall in and, um, you know, looking back on it, that was probably just to, you know, just give the, uh, the feeling of, of having a separation there because I mean, it, you know, it was studded up with, you know, two by twos, some, you know, quarter inch plywood it, on one side. It looked to me like a fort that I tried to build in yeah, the backyard when I, was like, when I was eight years old. Not to poke fun, yeah, but... No, but I mean, you, I mean there's, we're not talking about a, a studded up wall with sheetrocks on each side no, of the it's, door. Uh, it's, they did the best that they could with the limited with materials they, they had. had. So we did the wall, and then we did the two, um, you would call them gable ends, uh, or one, the back gable end, and some some side siding. But when I say siding, I mean, we're, we're just taking rough cut two-by-six, two-by-eights, and nailing them one on top of each other. So it's not airtight. It's certainly not watertight. It's just more, I would almost say, probably for anything else, it's um, for privacy. Keep people from walking down the street to look into your house. Mm-hmm. So that's why we were there with Rotary, to help with quality of life improvements in extremely poor villages. Uh, that was just one example of the great work we did. Uh, but being there, it doesn't take long to be pulled into the culture of the country, which is also an awesome experience. Very common mindset is you work hard all day and party all night. And since this is the Make It a Double podcast, Josh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it, yeah, I think that's really what blew my mind, especially early on. You know, we touched down. You know, I don't think we flew in. I didn't. I didn't fly in. I think you got in a little earlier than I did, but I didn't fly into Santiago until I don't know seven thirty, eight o'clock in the evening. And um, you know, went straight to one of the um, the Rotarians' house there, and um, you know, it's 
you know, I would say that was more of a social than a party. Um, it's kind of everybody introducing themselves and getting in those the people down there. But, I mean, you know, the first thing you see when you walk in is just a cooler just slammed full of beer. All right, guys, before we get too deep into drinking rum and presidentes, I want to take a quick time out to learn a little bit more about the Dominican. Here's Antonio with a little historical background. I do want to note that I met Antonio at a party in Santiago. Dominican rum and cigars were had. The music was very festive. You'll hear it in the background during our interview. We're one island that is called Quisqueya. Uh, but it's divided in two countries. We have Haiti on one side and we have Dominican Republic on the other side. Uh, we are a diverse culture. We were discovered by Christopher Columbus in 1492. Basically since then, uh, to make a long story short, we've been governed by different fashion in one way or another, France in one time, Spain, and we are very influenced by the U.S. Uh, the U.S. is our biggest commercial partner. Uh, the proximity to the, to the U.S. also makes us uh, obviously a, a, an ally that everything that happens, like for example, when the economy in the U.S. tanks, the economy here immediately goes down. When the economy goes up in the U.S., the economy here goes up. As a country, we have three different races that, that are our main races, which is the Indian, the native Indian, Taino, which basically they were all killed off, but we still have some of their DNA. Uh, we have the Spaniard, obviously, they discovered the island, sort of thing, and Africans, uh, which were imported in the 1400s uh, for slavery. Native American Indian died off, and, or, or they were dying. We needed forced labor for sugarcane, construction, and stuff like that. So they brought in African Americans, and all those three cultures are mixed in our today and what is the Dominican public today, the Dominican people today. All right, now that you got a little background, back to the beer. Josh, what about Presidente? I had been to the Caribbean enough. I knew about Presidente. I drank plenty of Presidente, and I knew it came from Dominican. I didn't, I guess going into it, didn't realize how prevalent it was down there. <laughs> so I'd heard there's actually two different types of Presidentes that they brew there in the Dominican Republic. One that they use for import and one that they use for export. Yeah, that's what I was, that was my understanding is, um, I don't know if you, I mean, I guess it would just be a totally different recipe to begin with. I've only, I drank Presidente right much when I was in the British Virgin Islands, but it certainly was one of, you know, 20 beers you could easily get. Um, I've drank it once here in North Carolina, and that was at the Cuban restaurant in Durham. And, I mean, they were probably far enough apart. I didn't really notice a difference. Um, but my um, understanding is it's just a, it's almost a lighter beer here. It's not. Yeah, you know, they make it. It's like lighter. Like it's less yeah, Watered down, I guess, probably would yeah. be the common term to that. I don't know. I'm a beer guy. I, I enjoyed it. Um, they do have a Presidente Light. So I think the stat I heard was 90%. This one company has 90% of the beer sales on the whole country. And I would assume that would include like the resorts and all of that there and like Punta Cana and all that. Um, but we even went to a grocery store one, one day and um, the beer aisle, I think I may have saw two or three other beers for sale. I think we saw maybe like a couple of six packs of Coors Light. I, and then the, is it Bohemia? No, no, they had MGD. Yeah, that's what it was. So that's the <laughs> no, only American no, beer. Jack. And so I'll say this, man, it actually, so... Uh, you know, Dominican has a lot of American influence to it, so it was surprising to me that there wasn't the amount of American beer there that there was. Well, I mean, you know, the, was, I think part of that they are a very proud people. Even when we when we go into the inner cities, where it's extremely impoverished, 
the the people are still very proud to be Dominican. And uh, you you may remember when we were driving to, through the tobacco fields or to the to the tobacco field, there was a parade. There was these children on parade dressed to the nines carrying <laughs> Dominican flags. Like I mean, they were dressed I, better than probably most kids at home go to prom in. <laughs> I mean, true. I mean, no doubt. It looked like a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> procession. That was it. Was amazing and. They're carrying Dominican flags, and I'm not sure it must have been some holiday or something. But yeah, it but sounded nobody... like some patriotic songs that were blaring out of the mm-hmm. back of the truck that are walking down. But yeah, you're right. You know, that kind of it's like supporting the home team. You know, right. you're going to bring in these outside beers, and they're like, "Well, that's not Dominican." They're sticking. They're staying true to their uh, their presidentes, and that's anywhere. You, you probably can't walk a block no, without the, finding somewhere to the, bomb. The price is on the <laughs> bottle cap, so there's there's no such thing as that's markup. Right. Like, that's right. You you walk into a high end bar. New York, LA, and you ask for a bud, it's going to cost you a lot of money. If you go to a dive bar, it's going to be a, maybe a dollar. Or if you go to the gas station or the grocery yeah, store, it's going to be cheaper. It's going to be cheaper, you know, right? right? But if you nope. go to the Dominican Republic <laughs> and you want a 40 ounce presidente, it doesn't matter where you are, it's going to be uh, it's 100 pesos. It's two yep. American dollars every single yep. time. The price is on the bottle cap, which really blew my mind. <laughs> It made me happy though because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can well, do this I mean, all day. This, that was the other surprising <laughs> thing to me is just how. Um, readily available i guess you would say that they are i mean there's a little you know vendor on every corner he might have a couple other things in the store but he's got a cooler full of man the coldest damn beer you've ever drank in your life too man (laughs) so they don't have electricity everywhere but i promise you where it goes man they make it count because man it was some of the coldest beer i've ever drank especially (laughs) out of i mean especially out of just little mom and pop you know convenience store or whatever you know where we got dropped off every day there's a gas station there you walk around the corner of the gas station, and there's a car wash that has a bar in it, so you can drink your Presidentes. Which so, you I mean, just it's, er- me. <laughs> it's everywhere. We were uh, we were coming back from one of the socials that we were in, uh, and there was a drive-through bar, and they had this good-looking girl mixing drinks, pouring Presidentes, and I was like, I'll just take a Presidente. So we we pull up, and they order Presidente. And they open all the bottles. They're giving it to you through your window. The driver's getting one. He's drinking. He takes off driving. <laughs> hey, it's it's all good there. No one um, no one really cares. It's a, it's just it's just the way it is. This, this is, is kind of how I felt down there. If you're drinking beer, man, it doesn't really count as drinking. I mean, it's just kind of yeah, you know, true. it's, it's just, almost like water. It's almost it? like water. Which and is probably the, for a lot of people, it's better than water. I yeah. mean, health wise. All right, Antonio. What's the deal with Presidentes? I mean, I see those things everywhere. Is that the only beer in the Dominican Republic, or are there others? Yes, we have, we have others. We have Quisqueya, which is really bad beer, and 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 and, and, <laughs> and it's not everywhere. I mean, I'm I just surprised that it's still in the market. We have uh, Presidente, and now we have all types of beer here uh, from Germany. One thing that I have to say, Presidente, people who used to come here four years ago, five years ago would taste a different Presidente they're tasting today. It's a really good beer, don't get me wrong. But Presidente was bought, the company, was bought by Ambev, which is basically the biggest brewery in the world. Uh, for me, personally, I think that was uh, one of the biggest tragedies economically uh, or commercially here in Dominican Republic and culturally because Presidente, you couldn't say Dominican without saying Presidente. I mean, Presidente... I don't think there's even an, an evangelical Christian that doesn't drink beer Presidente. I mean, Presidente is drank by everybody. Since you're 14 and above, you drink Presidente. So that being taken over by a foreign country, uh, which has thousands of, 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 of brands of beer, uh, you know, it kind of hurts 
a bit. Uh, mm -hmm. They have tried to maintain the the culture. It's still, Presidente is the biggest sponsor of the carnival and all that stuff. But it's just not the same. Now, I'd heard that, and the only reason I heard this is because I've had Presidente in America, and I've also had Presidente in Panama, um, and now I've had it in the Dominican Republic. And I talking to you and maybe some others, you've mentioned that it's not the same and that you actually, yes. Presidente is brewed in, differently here in the Dominican Republic for Dominicans and it's brewed differently uh, when it's exported. It's one reason and it's a logical reason. Presidente has a high alcohol content. Okay. That's why people who drink Presidente outside of the country, and I had friends in college that did that, and when they came here and drank Presidente, they would be surprised that with two, they're drunk, and there they can drink three, four, or five. Uh, the thing is, the alcohol content, as you know, in the U.S., if it has higher, I think, than a 6.5, uh, you can't call it a beer. You have to call it more liquor. Uh, maybe. So I it would, I don't really know. Oh, I should I, probably, yeah, I should that's probably why, for example, that. English 800, Call 45, all those yeah, are more liquor those. than okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So they had to lower down the alcohol content to be a beer. So that's why uh, it's a different beer than than in the Dominican. Yeah, I, I mean that makes sense, I guess, for America. If that's what, if yeah. that if that's the issue, the alcohol content, then that makes sense in the for America. Yeah. But what about countries like Panama or perhaps Costa Rica or Mexico, where we don't have this? They they may not have the same um, rules. Is it still different when you well, export? I haven't tried beer in 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 Mexico. I've been to Mexico when I'm there. I don't want to drink President. I drink Dos Equis, oh, Dos Equis Corona, Modelo, and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, sure. uh, I haven't been to Panama or Costa Rica, so I don't know. Uh, but I would assume that if they make exports be, ex export beer, mm. they would probably have a division, which I've been to the Presidente factory, and they do have a division of Dominican beer and exports. Uh, the, the, the beer that stays locally and the beer that go export. I do not know if the beer that go export is only for the U.S. or if... The beer that's here is actually the same that is in in Panama. I'm maybe, not sure. Maybe we should check that out. Where, yeah. where is the brewery? Is it Santa Domingo? Santa, Santo Domingo. Santo Domingo. Oh, not yeah, Santiago. Huge. Yeah. You can go there and have a tour. The tours are great because they teach you everything about how the beer is made and the history and all that. And then at the end, you go to this uh, gazebo mm. where you can drink all the beer you want until you want to leave. Seriously? Oh, yes. We should go right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have to work tomorrow. Oh, you call in sick. Tell yeah. them you're sick. We'll go to Santo Domingo to the Presidente Brewery. Those tours <laughs> are memorable. Okay, so we got Presidente is pretty much the beer of the uh, Dominican Republic. Oh, yeah. It's 90% of the... Of Probably 92% of the market. All right, Antonio, how about the rum here? I hear it's pretty good. Actually, Dominican rum is one of the best rum in the world. It's really good. I remember when I studied in the U.S. in 1989, and even then, uh, the only thing that people would ask me from Dominican Republic is for cigar, Presidente beer, and rum. <laughs> so rum is really famous. What are some good cultural Dominican Republic rum drinks? Well, do, you, do you drink it straight, like, like neat or on the rocks, or are you mixing it with things and creating... You know, interesting cocktails with it. Depends on the type of rum. Okay. There's high-end rum. The high-end rum, you shouldn't mix it with anything. You should drink it like a like you like you would a good whiskey or brandy. Then you have the middle that you could mix it, 
ice, water, and then you have the low, the lower uh, type rum. That that you, you, that's what you use for mixed drink. For example, you guys know Bacardi. Right. Bacardi is not that great of a rum, but it's really famous. They have a really marketing, a really great marketing tool, and it's used a lot in mixed drinks. So rum here is used all kinds of all, all kind of um, of different mixed drink. Like for example, one of the famous one, it's very simple. It's just coconut water and rum. What is and what's that called? Coconut water and rum. That's it's just called the coconut yeah. water, kind of like a rum and coke, but like a rum water and rum. coke, okay. but with coconut. Yeah. And it's very good. Coconut water and rum. Actually, if you go, especially if it's natural coconut, uh, I mean uh, straight from the coconut. Right. Here you can go on the road, stop. Buy a coconut and they'll open it for you. They'll put a straw, or if you want, they put rum. I like that. Yeah, and you can have coconut, water, and rum, which is very good <laughs> if you're in a cold place like a river and you drink it straight up. You also have, of course, the typical rum and coke, which is called Cuba Libre. We also have Santo Libre. Santo Libre is seven up in coke. Santo Libre. Santo Libre, which is If I would translate the name, it would be Free Angel. Free Angel, and it's Free Angel. Seven Up and Rum. Seven Up and Rum. Is it good? I've never had. It it. I've had rum. Really? I, should, I should try that. Is that what you're drinking right now? Drinking right now. Oh, I'm I'm just drinking a regular, actually, a rum and. A I like coke. it better than than rum and coke. Yeah, I, I should try that. I've we have um, piña colada, uh, mm-hmm. which it's a popular drink. You know it, but it's done with rum. Right. What about a drink? that I'd recently heard about uh, called Mama Juana. Mama Juana. Mama Juana is, is a very... Story? Yeah, Mama Juana is a very typical drink. It comes actually from the first African-American culture and Haiti from here. Why? Because they used to make what you would call moonshine. Okay. Okay? They would grab a lot of different type of uh, pieces of wood. Cedar, uh, mahogany, Uh, and a lot of leaves, which, frankly, I don't know which leaves exactly, but they put it inside a, a big bottle. They leave it dry. They don't put anything. Once they're going to make the Mama Juana, then you, you, you can buy that dry, and you mix your own. Mama Juana can be put rum and wine, vodka and wine. Most rum and wine have clams. They put actual clams. Yeah. Clam. Sounds terrible. It's, like, <laughs> it sounds ter- it's actually not that terrible, and, yeah. it's, and it's supposed to be aphrodisiac. Oh, well, then yes, in it's that supposed case, to be aphrodisiac. Maybe not so terrible. A lot of people buy it for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, the specific herbs that make up Mama Juana were originally prepared as an herbal tea by the native Taino Indians. Post Columbus, alcohol was added to the recipe. The reported positive effects on health vary ranging from a flu remedy to a digestion and circulation aid, blood cleanser, and kidney and liver tonic. But perhaps the most interesting are the aphrodisiac effects. Mama Juan is a really popular drink. Before, it used to be only popular in the very uh, lower stratosphere of, the, of society. I mean, okay. uh, very low income. That, there would be now... It's different because a lot of companies have seen the potential and tourists love Mama Juana. So they have made the Mama Juana with, made it with the wood, tra- uh, traditional, but then bottle it without the wood. And you can just buy it like any other bottle in a liquor store. Does that affect the, uh, the I guess, the taste of the quality of the yes, Mama Juana? Yes, it does. Okay. It makes it more, 
it's th- it's softer and it's more industrialized. It's more uh, commercial, let's just say. Okay. It doesn't have the the, the the texture that the original, the one you would make if you like, for example, when you leave, if you take a bottle of Mama Juana and you can make it at home. You can just buy cheap wine and cheap rum, mix it, close it, and put it in your closet for about two weeks. And that, and then you just let it sit for. Let it sit for at least how two much weeks. time? Two weeks. Two weeks. This one time I was in, uh, I came on vacation. I took one. I made it with rum and wine. Put it in my closet. Forgot about it. Like a year later, I found it. And it was pretty good. It was pretty good. So just to get back to the rum for just a second, is there a favorite? Is there a preferred rum? Well, the of preferred Dominican? rum in Dominican Republic is Brugal. 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 Brugal last by far. It's the highest, the most sold rum in the Dominican Republic. Uh, I must say, Brugal was bought by a company. Now, that's another company from the Dominican Republic that is now owned by a foreign company. But it's still made in, in Puerto Plata and distributed all over Europe. Brugal is an excellent rum. It didn't used to be like that. Brugal used to have a saying, famous, that if you drank Brugal, you either had sex or fought. <laughs> one, one, one of the two. So you would always say, "Well, I'm having Brugal and I'm not fighting today." So. Yes, and that, and that would be a way to hit on a, on somebody. So yeah, the, uh, have you ever used that line? Has it worked for you? <laughs> and hey, yes, it has worked. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, 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 that's a good line. They used to have a, a different word. I just don't want to say it in the podcast. But well, you can, oh, well, or I can edit it out if it's, it's so good. F- a fight. Okay. So. <laughs> Do you age it? Is yeah, it's it age. Uh, like how, in oak barrels or in some other sort of barrel? No. Uh, or, well, that depends. Because, for example, I think, what, was it you that bought the, the Punta Cana? No, it's Josh. Well, Josh bought the Punta Cana. Punta Cana is a new rum, but it's actually climbing the charts. It's, it's a really good rum. And that is aged in barrels from scotch, from single scotch whiskey. Most rum are aged on steel uh, distillery and yeah, they're 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 just aged there up to eight years. Some of the really 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 good are twelve and some are twenty one, because each brand of rum has eight, twelve, twenty one. All right, guys, we're gonna take a quick break. I got a couple friends I'd really like you to know about. Just like the great street artist Banksy said, art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. That's what Malia Christie sets out to do with Shaded and Faded Studio. Shaded and Faded is unique, it's original, it all comes from the creative mind of Malia Christie. She specializes in abstract, figure, mixed media canvas paintings, and custom furniture creations. Check her out at www.malia-christie.com or on Facebook, search Shaded and Faded Studio. It's the Misinformation Podcast. Zach's a stand-up comedian, Eric's a retail professional with his own brand of humor, and Adam is just looking for a place to hang out. All together, they're dudes with a home studio, too much time, and too many opinions about movies, music, current events, and anything pop culture. It's funny, it's crude, it's misinformation, it is explicit, so remember, it may not always be safe for work.
barstool philosophers gather around. It's the Wait What If podcast, hosted by Kevin Sullivan, developed around a fire pit where friends would share drinks and occupy themselves with deep questions. You know, the kind of questions that keep you up at night and make your head spin. Far out there things that make you think, huh, wait, what if? He explores things like what happens to the soul if you're teleported, observational reality, the Fermi paradox, and are ghosts real, just to name a few. Check it out, wait what if. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, Antonio, I got a drink in my hand, a pretty girl on my arm, I'm here, I want to go dancing. What kind of dancing? The first one is merengue. Merengue is a mixture of African folklore dance and and Spanish dance. Once you mix them, you make merengue. Merengue has been here since the beginning of the Dominican Republic, basically. Um, You have also salsa, of course. Salsa is not typically from here, but is is on most Latin American country and we do da- dance a lot of salsa. We have bachata which is typically from here. Actually bachata. No bachata. Have and you salsa. heard of Anthony Santos? Um, or Romeo Santos? Romeo Santos, no. Yeah. Well he's been in concerts all over the US. He's really famous over okay. there. <laughs> but he sings bachata. That's bachata. that's the thing. Okay, bachata, what, what's that like? Is that like uh if we had to country, compare it? Country? Or, what, it's like, exactly the same as country but it's country Spanish. music? Like American like, country like music? America. And in bachata, either somebody dies, a dog dies, somebody... <laughs> uh, There's always a tragic story, or, or your wife went and ran out with someone else. It's, it's the same storyline. Okay. I get it. But, uh, <laughs> that country music. I mean, bachata is as typical to here as country music is to the U.S. Yeah, you can look it up in and, and, um, and YouTube. Okay. Uh, and now, when I was a kid, it was only dance in certain places and stuff like that, but now it's... All over the Dominican Republic and all over the world in the states, it's huge. It, I heard that they, they uh, Romeo Santo, which is a big um, bachata singer, wrote, broke some type of record in a concert hall in Chicago. We we also dance a lot of hip hop, uh, dance, uh, mambo, and dembo. Dembo. Yeah, dembo. It's a new type. I don't know if it was invented here or where, but it's a new type of the youngsters dance. And they just break their body dancing it. It's uh, really, really, really underground. Along with rum, beer, mama wana, and dancing, there's also cigars, and easily some of the best in the world, and always talked about alongside with Cuban cigars. It's not that the cigar uh, rollers are better. Cubans are incredibly good. The thing is, it's a combination of factors. First of all, uh, we have very good land and a lot of it. So uh, we have a lot of good land. Actually, where you're sitting in Santiago, is the biggest producer of of, of really good high-end quality cigar in the world. We have the most expensive cigar, which is uh, Arturo Fuente Opus X. It's a very expensive cigar, and it's only done. You can be the richest person in the world and not have a box in your house, even if you wanted to, because they only make very limited amount Mm. every year, and it's sold like with three years of of anticipation. It's a very exclusive cigar. I would say that the recent Dominican Republic cigar has surpassed a lot of Cuba, but still people think that Cuban cigar, remember with the embargo, having a Cuban cigar is a thing of status. Oh, I could get it. Right. You know, it's not anybody can buy Dominican cigar, but not anybody can buy a Cuban cigar. But with the revolution in Cuba, a lot of the best cigar makers had to leave Cuba in a hurry. Their natural place was Dominican Republic. They came here. So they brought a lot of expertise from Cuba in the cigar industry here. You also have to take into account that the technology 
you would think that it's only growing the plant and everything, but it does take a lot of technology to do the type of cigar they do today. And Cuba is years behind. So Dominican Republic is up to date on everything. Why, the trends, everything. Why is it that you think the, uh, the Cuban cigar is behind technology-based and that the, the Dominican cigar is not? Because since we have, we have had an open market, all over the world, we have had, right. we have the, we have American investment here a lot. General Cigars, the biggest factory, is in the Dominican Republic. When I say technology, don't get me wrong. It's not that I'm talking about machines. We do have a big industry of small cigars that is done by machine. I have a, a client of mine. It's a company that makes 10 million cigars a day, and that is a lot of cigars. But even learning how to hybrid different type of cigars, the plantation of it, and everything takes into account that Dominican cigars are very high-quality cigars. Okay. Uh, remember, we've been cultivating cigars from the Tahinos. The Indians would cultivate cigars here. I mean, this is not something brought from somewhere else. There's something that was already here. I do have an anecdote with Americans getting Cuban cigars. With the embargo, I had a friend that what he used to do is go to Cuba, buy a lot, I mean, a lot of Cuban cigars, bring them, bring them here, take the brand off and put it on the Dominican box and import it to the U.S. He made a lot of money doing that. Cigars connoisseur are like wine connoisseurs. Okay. I mean, I can give a cigar to a really, really good connoisseur, and he would know what cigar it is. Mm -hmm. So they don't care about the wrapping or what, or what is it. They care that it's a Cuban cigar. You said something about wine connoisseurs, which just kind of struck me. Um, is there? Does the Dominican Republic make wine? Yeah, we do make a, love, a, a bit of wine in one region. Yeah. It's not that good of wine. <laughs> and uh, we try to get into everything. So, but yeah, but <laughs> no good. No, it's not no that bueno. Good it's, no, it's, it's, it's Tony Soul in that region. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not that good. But we are a big wine consumer country, though. Where do you get most of your wine from? Prefer Spaniard, Italian, and France. Uh, we do have a lot of Argentinian and from Chile. Yeah. But recently, California has broken all types of record here in, in wine selling. Why? Because, first of all, they use blended technology, which Spain doesn't like to do in France either. Uh, that they blend two different type of uh, grape. Like they have a Cabernet with a Merlot, which is a very strong grape with a very soft palate and makes a really good wine. Yeah. For example, Cupcake. I don't know if you if, if yeah, you've had that. it. That's a familiar really, with it. really good wine, especially for women. And, uh, <laughs> why is Well, because why? it's really sweet. It's, it's, okay. it's a kind of thing that, you know, Maybe guys like sweet, too. Hey, I like I Cupcake. Don't know. I, I okay. don't know. Okay. But women, you know... <laughs> Hey, Josh, as an American traveling to the Dominican Republic, um, tell us a little bit about that experience. You know, my experience there, um, as far as going out and all of that, I mean, two things that kind of struck me is, one, um, and even those guys, I never saw anybody who I thought, man, that guy's had too much to drink. You know, they just, I don't know, it's just kind of weird. You know, they, um, I mean, they certainly, I mean, they're very open to um, drinking beer and, you know, at night. I never saw anybody during the day. I never saw anybody, even in the communities that were kind of rough. I never saw anybody drinking a bottle of rum or um, seemed like they were, I mean, I'm sure that probably exists, but they just didn't see it. I mean, you could go downtown Raleigh and, and, and see that. But I never once saw anybody who I thought, man, you know, this guy, man, he's just had too much. I think that's part of the mentality is, man, this is just, it's no big deal. You know, like drinking beer, it's no different than drinking water when you get off of work. So, but I didn't see anybody who, you know, overdid it necessarily. I think Except for one. <laughs> so this brings me to another point. Um, and I... <laughs> 
<laughs> so this is what really struck me. Um, they're pretty nonchalant about all of it, you know, even the partying. So the first true work day that we were there, there was a person who had obviously drank too much the night before. Oh, you're talking about an American. Yeah, yeah, one of the Americans. Okay, one of our fellow and, um, uh, so, workers. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a huge deal, but I got talking to it. So we had um, uh, one of the local Rotarians riding with me and Antonio, and she didn't speak any Spanish, or she didn't speak any English, and my Spanish is very limited. So it's kind of like a three-way conversation. I mean, I would talk to Antonio. He would translate to her and then back and forth, but then he would have his own conversation with her, and I would have my own conversation with him. But I kind of got talking about it and joking around a little bit of my Spanish is good enough that I can I can kind of pick up on what they're saying in a conversation. I necessarily can't understand everything they're saying. I can't really talk back with them, but I can pick up. And uh, he kind of they were I could I could tell they were joking back and forth. And um, she said something to him, and he laughed, and she laughed. I asked him, I said, because it wasn't anything I I could understand at all. And um, I said, what did she say? He had a long pause. He said, there's no translation for it. I was like, man, come on, man. There's got to be a translation for it. He said, and so he thought about it a little bit more. He said, it doesn't translate. The saying is, un gustazo, un trancazo. And I, I mean, I had to write it down. Like I was like, you know, five times I'm going to tell me that. I was like, what do you mean it doesn't translate? He's like, there's no translation for it. I said, what does it mean then? I mean, it's got to mean something. And so we kind of came up with um, the best way he could describe it. Of course, Antonio grew up stateside. So I guess the best way we came up with it is you have to pay the piper, right? You dance the dance, you have to pay the pipers. So their kind of thought on it was, well, she went out tonight or last night, and now she's paying it today. No big deal. <laughs> but he was right, man. I got home, and uh, I put it into Google Translate. You know, not that Google Translate's the end-all, be-all, but it just it didn't come up with anything. So I don't know where they came up with it, but I've I've tried to memorize it, man, because it's pretty cool. But Yeah, man, so the first night, you know, I talked about we went to this social – you know, the thing, and we got back to the house, and, you know, Antonio asked, you know, hey, do you smoke a cigar? And I, you know, I certainly don't smoke one often, but, it, you know, I've, I've been known to smoke one a time or two. Um, so we went out and, you know, poured a bottle of scotch, which actually I was a little surprised with how big scotch was there. And I know we're not talking about that tonight, but it was, I mean, that's what I mean, what it's part of the culture, actually. So I think that's probably their biggest import. No uh, idea how that came to be. That That's, you know, they don't drink a lot of um, bourbons or whiskeys or... Um, but it's all if they don't drink rum, they're drinking scotch. It's true. I mean, that's pretty much it, man. I didn't see any other liquors. So, man, you know, three or four hours later, and polished off a bottle of scotch and two cigars <laughs> later, man, I'm stumbling to bed. And um, but man, that was great, you know, because um, I learned a lot. I asked a lot um, about the Dominican um, in, in those hours of, of you know sharing a, a drink with them. So then that was night one, and then it was pretty much like that, or or some resemblance of that every night. I think we had two or three nights where they hosted parties, get-togethers, cookouts for us. It, it not necessarily go out, although we went out right much, but it's um, set up late, talk, share a few drinks, um, many, many laughs. Some part of me thinks, man, there's no way they do this year-round because, I mean, a week into it, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm done, man. I, just, I need a couple of nights to, to rest. But then there's a big part of me that think, yeah, that's what they do, man. I don't, I, don't, I think they really. Like it is what they do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. We both, I mean, we didn't get to the same one, but we both got to go to Carnival. Yep. And I see that and see, um, you know, the street vendors out there selling presidencies for the same thing that um, Antonio took me out one night um, to a sushi bar higher end i think you ended up there one night i did and um, i did so i'm buying from a street vendor at carnival for the scene it's an know. amazing it's an amazing country I, I um recommend that everyone if you i don't know if you get a chance to go it's it's one of it's 
it's at the top of it's one of my favorites now. Yeah, one, it's one of the coolest places I've ever been. Definitely want to go back. From everything that I saw from the people we were staying with to just the dealings that we had with the locals, I mean, the hospitality was incredible. During the day, now I understand at night it gets very dangerous, but during the day it was very hot. I mean, it was amazing the the how much they welcomed us and they wanted us to be there. And you almost left with um, two or three different wives. No, man, not me. <laughs> no way that was going to happen. But um, I think it was on the table. Close. I don't know that there was interest, but it was on the table. I can say this. You know, obviously we we um, not just witnessed, but we um, we lived the two extremes of the country: That's the true. very very poor, the very very um, wealthy. Well, I didn't get treated any different. You know, I think, I mean, absolutely, I think this neighborhood that we were in, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily want to be in them at night, but I think if whatever had happened and we were we ended up there, um, those families that we were working for, I probably would have felt relatively comfortable staying. You know, Josh, just now we're talking about um, the hospitality of the country. It reminded me, we drank the most expensive bottle of water probably in my entire life. Um, and just a little background, we were working in one of the homes. It's hot, we're sweating, it's dirty, the power was out. So we're cutting angle cuts in a two by eight with hand saws. And then out of nowhere, the old woman who owns the house appears with two ice cold bottles of water. And you know, for someone like that, it's huge. She hardly has money to buy herself water, let alone us strangers. So that's why I say it was the most expensive bottle of water. Minimum, it was probably a day's worth of um, money for her. I, I would suspect it was probably more than that. I, I, I mean, um, you know, I would suspect it's a week's. I mean, I don't, I don't even know. Like Cheaper, a- she could have bought us a couple of presidentes, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Antonio. Before we close out, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know? As a vacation spot, I would tell you that this is an incredible place. It's a really, really magical place because this have a combination of so different places that you would go. You would go to Costa Rica and you would expect ecotourism and going uh, to a forest and all that. You have that here. You would expect uh, to go to Jamaica and you would expect to be beautiful, to, to be in beautiful, great white sand beaches. The countries covered with them. Rivers, incredible. The mountains, beautiful. But you also have incredible cities. You go to Santo Domingo and they drop you in the middle. You think you're in New York. They have skyscrapers. They have top-notch technology. They have every type of thing that you can have, and it's a party town. I mean, here, clubs, you can't go before 12, because before 12, there's just nothing. It's dead. There's nobody there. After 12 is when party starts, and you can be here to 5 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning. Come here, enjoy Dominican Republic, and have fun. All right, guys, that's the sound of last call. I want to send a very special thank you to Antonio Ramirez for his incredible hospitality in the Dominican Republic and for sharing the Dominican culture and stories with us. A special thank you also to Josh Davis for his efforts while volunteering and for sharing his experiences with us as well. Josh is a general contractor who really enjoys taking on custom remodels in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. He's the owner at Rising Tide Building and Renovations. Look him up. He's extremely talented and takes a lot of personal pride in all of the work he does. Also, don't forget to go to doublepodcast.com to check out show notes, view photos from my interviews, find more information on all my guests and links to each of their websites. I'm also on Facebook. Check out Make It a Double Podcast on Facebook. Give it a like. It's the best way to get current info on shows and guests. If you have any comments or show ideas, 
please reach out. I'm always happy to hear from our listeners. Thanks again for listening. Cheers. The only reason I know because I look over, I'm making sure my ride hasn't left. <laughs>